Welcome to The Paulist, a daily comics analysis podcast. I'm Paul, and every day I take a comic and I analyze it from a variety of perspectives. I try to do this daily so that we can read widely, and I try to do analysis so that we can really dig deep. Uh, You're invited to pop in, listen whenever you want. Uh, I'm an English teacher, I'm a literacy researcher, I'm a comics reader. I'm on Twitter at 2ply, T-W-O-P-L-A-I. Would love to interact with you. Um, You can also email me at 2plygmail.com. Uh, go to thepaullist.com for visuals, and um, you can listen to this on Stitcher or SoundCloud or iTunes, and in fact, you probably are, <laughs> but uh, if you are listening, uh, please leave a review, especially if you're on iTunes, that really helps us, and I would always love to hear what you like and maybe also what you don't like. Uh, give me one uh, piece of uh, compliment and one piece of criticism, uh, and I'll take it. It helps me to get better. I'm trying to get better every day. Um, today is our Tuesday trade paperback, although it's not Tuesday, and we're not reading a trade paperback. Our comic is a hardcover called America Town from Boom Studios, and is written by um, uh, Bradford Winters and Larry Cohen, and um, drawn by Daniel Irisari uh, for Boom Studios, as I said. Um, and first off, I just want to kind of apologize. The Paulus disappeared for a couple days. Uh, and that's because uh, doing a daily podcast is hard when there's a lot of other life to juggle. Um, I don't know if anybody who knows me personally, maybe outside of my brother, is um, <laughs> listening to this podcast. I do have listeners and the numbers are growing. Thank you for joining me. Um, but uh, people who do know me, if they hear this, are probably thinking, like, when does Paul possibly have time uh, for doing this? Because uh, I know all the stuff he's juggling in his life. Some of the stuff that I juggle in my life is because I am um, the son of an immigrant. Uh, We immigrated here when I was a kid. And so um, that experience of moving to a different country, um, although my immigration experience is unique from and different from um, many others, uh, but that experience of moving to a different country is a big part of my family's life and our ongoing um, daily, um, our daily experience. And so uh, I'm passionate about the topic of, a, of our book today. Um, and not only is it uh, an aspect of my biography, it's also um, what I study, part of what I study as a researcher. Uh, because I have taught and worked with immigrant kids uh, and immigrant families for um, pretty much all my adi- adult life. And so um, this, this speaks to my heart and something I care about. Um, and our book, again, is America Town. Um, and boom, about a year and a half ago, had a campaign. They're really trying to push comics forward. They were trying to do topics and kinds of comics that were different from what the big two were doing that, um, maybe were, um, even different from what was sort of commonplace at, um, some of the other, um, more, you know, independent publishers. Uh, and so, America Town, I think, was part of that effort. Bradford Winters and Larry Cohen are the writers, and they are TV writers. This was their first comic, written for a number of shows, uh, Borgias and Kings and uh, uh, Oz, the HBO show Oz, and and The Americans. And I think there's a, a flavor about this show that is distinctly like a lot of those TV shows, shows like Oz, shows that have... Um, you know, kind of dominated television since at least The Wire. Um, Shows that try to tackle bigger societal issues through the lenses of looking at, you know, a a few characters, of course. And I think um, in doing a comic about immigration, uh, they were concerned. I I even think I read somewhere that initially this concept was um, pitched as a television show. But um, in doing a comic about immigration, I think what they wanted to do is they wanted to keep it grounded 
not make it a sort of um, political um, hacksaw, <laughs> but they wanted to keep it grounded in the lives of a few characters, and specifically uh, the protagonist, Owen Carpenter. So I should explain the premise of the book. Um, but um, America Town is about uh, uh, a man who um, is living in a sort of a sci-fi near future. Um, I don't know if sci-fi, it's not, it's not super sci-fi actually. The book we're going to talk about tomorrow, Barrier Number 2, um, written by Brian K. Vaughan and um, with art by um, Marcos Martin and, and Amunsa Vicente. Vicente, that is hard sci-fi um, about immigration as well. So we'll get to that tomorrow. Uh, today, we, we're softer sci-fi here. It's probably a near future. Um, and in this future, uh, um, the United States has experienced some kind of economic collapse some kind of catastrophe. And so rather than experiencing a ton of immigration, there's a ton of emigration. Um, and in this case, this book, they uh, are, you know, migrants are moving from America to Buenos Aires in Argentina, where there's a um, kind of an immigrant enclave called America Town. And so at the beginning of that, at the book, and I'll spoil just the first issue, I won't spoil the whole book. Um, and the preview pages that um, I'm going to talk about the art from are also just from the first few pages of the book. And you can see those at thepaullist.com. But uh, the, the uh, you know, at the beginning of the book, uh, a group of smugglers are, are basically um, transporting um, uh, a group of uh, undocumented migrants into Buenos Aires, you know, with the hopes of probably landing eventually in uh, America town. And Owen Carpenter, who's kind of our protagonist, is a uh, a father um, who is traveling solo, seemingly, and who is um, trying to enter into Argentina illegally. Um, and so from there, you know, they arrive, the story about all that breaks apart with the smugglers, uh, the stories about uh, Owen Carpenter trying to make his way um, through Bu Buenos Aires as, a, as an undocumented immigrant. And... Um, and I think the sci-fi part of it is to really turn the tables on this notion of America being the, you know, land of opportunity where everybody wants to go. Rather, um, you know, it it's you know it's it's sort of flipped so that these Americans who think he's from Philadelphia are trying to um, make their way in, in America Town in Buenos Aires. Um, yeah, that's the general kind of premise of the book uh it the the individual issues eight of them came out uh i think throughout last year and this year now collected in a hardcover um i, I said i think recently i think i said yesterday although that was actually four days ago or something like that that i don't really like talking about a comic that i wouldn't recommend this is a comic that i do recommend um especially if the topic interests you but um i think if you are um if you want a, a thoughtful story uh, that is in some sense a social commentary. And, and you know, it, it's clear that Winters and Cohen are doing what I like to call the artistic evasion of politics, which is that um, they are trying to talk about politics without talking about politics. I mean, this isn't sort of, you know, crass, um, you know, um, uh, sort of political statement masked as a message where characters are stand-ins or proxies or metonymic for institutions in a simplistic fashion or something like that. You know, this isn't sort of a, you know, a, a party platform disguised as a comic. I think they're really trying to do narrative. Um, 
but um, uh, but it is, in some senses, uh, an expose of various aspects of the um, the immigration issues that you know are kind of in the headlines all the time, and uh, and boy are they in the headlines, aren't they? <laughs> uh, if you are here in the United States, and no doubt you hear it, if you're if you're not, um, if you're across the Atlantic or somewhere else in the world listening to this, you hear about the contention that is here in the United States, and and probably if you do hear from Americans about it, it sounds a lot like Americans have this notion that. Um, this is a uniquely American issue, when indeed it's not, um, when indeed, you know, migration across the world is, um, you know, is at levels that are, you know, obviously unprecedented in history and increasing uh, all the time. And so I think the, the issues of um, migration, immigration, um, ethnic enclaves, uh, you know, those kind of questions as they press on society, especially as issues of legality um, become really hot button political issues, um, are 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 very relevant. Uh, the question I bring to the book, as somebody who's interested in immigration, is what is the take exactly, and what kind of light is shed by the book on on immigration? Um, and and I think the first thing to say about it is is that. Uh, as I said, I think a lot of times artists are evading um, politics while touching on them. Uh, they, in in some ways, maybe the the um, <laughs> the stock artistic move is to say, you know, our hangups about policy or our, um, you know, uh, you know, all the stuff we're we're talking about about a path to legalization or or you know, in, in this context, stop DAPA or DACA or whatever um, or building a ridiculous wall or something <laughs> you know it, it's kind of i think comics wants to circumvent those issues and really say hey let's look at the lives of people and um and really america town is a family story you know it's it's trying to be compelling by making us um focus our attention on owen um on his family members uh some of whom are back home in Philadelphia and some of whom are in in fact there in, in Buenos Aires with him and, and, and enter into these circumstances. Again, I don't want to um, spoil too much. Um, but the first sample page that you'll see is a page where Owen is talking to his son. And um, this is a bit of a spoiler, but it's right there in the first issue. It turns out that his son is actually, you know, um, sort of in disguise and is one of the smugglers that is helping Owen to get into the country. And Owen's fate and his son's fate are, of course, tied together and part of the, and essentially the story of the book. And it, you know, I, I guess how I, I guess I have mixed feelings about tackling this the issue of immigration through family issues. Now, I should say they do um, the the writers and the artist uh, the you know, they do touch on a lot of dimensions of immigration, some of which I'll talk about in a second, um, but also about the, um, you know, kind of the um, the the political uh, football that it really kind of becomes to deal with immigration in various ways. Um, there's a character in there who's a, obviously a political uh, demagogue type figure who, uh, you know, was this was all, I think, written and planned before our current presidential campaign but but there's obvious parallels to um different uh political figures shall we say um but um but anyway the 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 story 
emphasizes the story. You know, the the story emphasizes um, the family, and you know, I I have learned a whole lot about immigration from from narratives. Um, you know, a book that um, anybody who has the the faintest interest ought to read is is um, I think it's Sonia Nasario. Uh, I'm I'm forgetting ex- the exact name of the author, but it's called Enrique's Journey. It's about a, a you know a kid who's essentially um, traveling up um, the route you know through Mexico that many from Central America take uh, a route that's filled with danger and um, uncertainty to try to make it to um, to the north. And I think that um, I think stories are really compelling ways to help us to understand the the comp- complexities and the absolute you know terror of of what it is to be an immigrant and I think um, allows us to you know sympathize and to understand if that's not an experience that we've had uh, I have had a lot of the experiences of being an immigrant um, but I have not had those experiences and so um, in doing things like accompaniment for um, young people who arrive here um, unaccompanied and helping them to access, you know, resources and schools and all that kind of stuff, just, you know, sometimes you can't hear the story directly from those who've, who've, who've come over, but to know the things that they go through, um, you know, absolutely changes the way that you think about their experience. <laughs> I Just a small anecdote I remember having um, my students uh, at a time when I had taught all immigrant students write stories of their immigration experiences. And I was floored. I had no idea what I was asking for. And some of the stories involved, um, you know, um, a young Afghan woman who uh, witnessed her parents um, killed, you know, and others involved um, just things that their families and they went through in uh, coming to the country, whether legally or not and uh just the um the things that they that they went through were just i don't know i don't want to repeat them without permission but they're just uh harrowing uh sometimes inspiring uh always awe-inspiring for sure so telling these stories can be really really powerful and in some ways um being in the you know being in the narrative rather than just sort of hearing it from somebody who has somehow arrived and 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 is probably in whatever position that they're in to tell you the story um is really powerful as well um but but i think uh one i think one one question about telling the story through family issues that comes to me there's a book called writing immigration it's by um marcelo suarez orozco who's a sort of a leading immigration scholar as well as um louis and suro two others um but they edited the book, and it's it's a book that's kind of a conversation between journalists and scholars, uh, and researchers, and they they kind of get at a tension that tends to arise between journalists and researchers. You can imagine, you know, researchers their job is to get a comprehensive picture, whatever their disciplinary approach. Their their job is to get a comprehensive and somewhat objective picture of a very complex set of topics while journalists are really chasing a news story, right? And so there'll be a news story because some politician says this or or they want to tell the story of, you know, this rather sensational experience. And um and and sometimes they'll consult a researcher and a, and and the researcher's fear is that they'll give, you know, facts that will sort of um <laughs> be left out, you know, facts about um actual numbers, facts that, you know, for instance, the United States that immigration 
has actually gone down, uh, even though everybody suspects that it's on a continual increase, um, or people expect that there's higher criminality in immigrant communities, which is actually the opposite of the case. There's actually um, more, uh, higher criminality in non-immigrant uh, populations than in immigrant populations, you know, things like that. Um, as well as, you know, that many... <laughs> You know, uh, actually, a, a large, large, large proportion of immigrants, uh, even those who come undocumented, are, um, you know, in situations of not only contributing to the economy, but um, also reaching, um, you know, uh, upper, higher working class or, or, or middle class status, rather than, uh, as some of the narratives seem to say, um, either perpetual victims or somehow um, extracting from, from the, uh, the, um, safety net the system uh more than giving which is not not the case as well um anyway <laughs> the the tension between the journalist and the researcher right is the construction of this thing and a journalist is always telling a story but sometimes when you tell a story you don't grasp the system the entire picture while sometimes when you grasp the entire picture you um or you Try, or you know you're trying to get facts to address policy you um you know you don't enter it sympathetically and so what does it mean to t to tell a story you know how do you tell a story that somehow gives you a sense of the big picture but also has those meaty elements of stories that make us want to care about the characters and and feel a sense of tension and excitement and drama um, and when you do tell that story that's full of tension and drama, look, immigrant stories are full of tension and drama. I could tell, I could spend hours telling you, you know, stories of our immigration that are full of tension and drama. But, you know, in fact, um, it's not really that sensational. You know, my parents were, you know, um, middle class people who had economic opportunity and we came here and there were things that we experienced. But, uh, you know, nothing that you could make a sci-fi story out of. Um, and I'm not saying that because I'm saying that I'm somehow representative, but I'm saying that when you see the immigration through the prism of stories that are always somehow um, uh, primarily about those uh, those very uh, peaked um, experiences, then uh, do you have a a bit of a misconstrual of things? Now, of course the ways that the the creators here get around that to some extent is to make it sci-fi you know is to sort of turn turn the tables and make it a, a fictional somewhat dystopian situation which by the way then the, there's some idea that this is a dystopia but um to almost turn in the other direction from what i was saying before if this is a dystopia you know does doesn't that implicate that we are sort of um in some ways, sitting on our hands while a dystopian situation occurs to millions of, of people, um, and not even to speak of outside of the United States, where um, many millions more are um, refugees or um, somehow, uh, yeah, somehow um, migrants displaced um, or, uh, you know, in situations as dark or, or, or darker than this. Um, yeah, uh, I think another thing that really the, the book 
does do, uh, America Town does do, is to get at the ways that um, there is an intersection between um, the, the personal and the familial and politics and economics. So, you know, there's a lot of questions about where Owen is going to get the, the money to pay off the the smugglers as well as the lawyer, the sort of shady lawyer that he, he brings in to try to help him and at the same time to earn some money to send back as remittances to his, his family in Philadelphia and at the same time to um to try to circumvent the the um you know the the legal system as he tries to make money. And so some of that stuff I think points to the bigger economics and actually that's still on, on an individual level but you kind of see it represented in different characters and different things that go on in the story um that how the economics are tied in with this and i think that is a, an aspect of the immigration story that we again tend to leave out in the narratives that are all about the drama and all about the feelings and experiences which are again important but but i think we miss out like we tend to think of immigrants as opportunists you know who are making the most of of um you know, of their lives and pursuing their dreams, but but the sort of aspect of economic necessity that not only compels people to traverse these, you know, scary boundaries, but also um, impacts on their day-to-day living is something that we tend to forget. Um, one of the previews pages that I'll show has some discussion of that, and in the dialogue that's written, there is a, um, you know, there's a, a conversation, uh, let's say, about whether or not you know somebody that you're counting on to help pay for your your transport um, is going to be reliable and it just is there's this sense throughout the book that um you know you can't entirely be certain who to who to trust um and i think a lot of that is conveyed by the art there's um the colors and i should credit the the colorists um i need to pull that up but um the colors have this kind of um contemporary i'll say uh occasionally kind of slightly muddy but very um uh tonal kind of coloring where you know whole pages will be bathed in blue or bathed in red and i think there's a lot of symbolic resonance to you know especially red and blue red white and blue uh, being throughout these pages but um the colorists uh, vladimir popov and and matt but Battaglia for this first issue is lettered by Sean Allridge, by the way, with covers by Scott Newman. Um, the the colors, uh, as I said, have this sort of muddy flavor, and I don't say that um, to denigrate it. I think the the sort of, um, as I said, almost monochromatic, um, but but with with shades, you know, uh, really gives it this sense that a pallor sits over the entire scene and i and and a pallor is not necessarily bad sometimes that pallor is actually um you know very sanguine or sometimes it's very um explosive or whatever but there's this sense of a almost a suffocating quality to many of the scenes um you'll see it in the sample pages that those are early on but you know it's actually contrasted with other pages where there's a lot more sort of variety and vibrancy but that variety and vibrancy doesn't necessarily signal happiness so much as that signals a kind of um you know a, a freedom a kind of um uh being able to to sort of relax and to be yourself whether it's because you're the rich mayor character or whether because you're in a diner where you feel where you can sort of let down your guard a little bit among people that you know are are like you um but uh it's that sort of muddiness and that that monochromatic quality that 
that sometimes gives this this entire sense of almost suffocating stuffiness that is the experience of a lot of characters in this book and uh, i think that is um i think that is a, a really um you know a powerful emotional charge to a lot of the book um, another aspect of the art that i think is really interesting is the um you know when i look at the daniel Edisadi's work um he he's uh you know, he, he definitely has some, um, uh, I, I don't know how to call it anything other than um, storytelling ability that's, I would say, apt. <laughs> and I don't mean to damn with faint praise. I just mean that the storytelling is clear that you, enough that you can always tell what's going on. Nothing uh, blows you away by um, by being surprising. No wacky angles no um indecipherable you know uh tricks of of panel layout but one of the things that seems to be part of the quality of the book is that um is that there's a really there's really thick line weights and a lot of times uh artists i think have this bargain where you know the thicker the line weights the more stability the more stabilizing we expect in the line you know the more that we expect the line to be um you know uh, to have less wiggle uh think of uh, various artists that have, you know, make use of thick, thick line weights, especially around characters and figures. And you, you'll probably think of their line as being pretty um, swift and pretty stable. And instead, I think um, Irisari has, uh, again, pretty thick line weights that are, in some senses, um, a little, a little jiggly. Um, and, and I, I think the, somebody who, who carries that off with incredible flair is, uh, is somebody like, um, uh, Paul Pope. Uh, I, I wouldn't say Irisadi is, is Paul Pope, but it's in that, uh, it's in that vein of, um, of kind of bolder, thick lines, um, in the, you know, uh, you know, I think that's heavily in use as needed in the settings, but especially in the character work. And um, and what it really does is it really kind of makes the characters um, very distinct, very, you know, every individual is really easy to remember and decipher in contrast to the other individuals. Um, but it also makes them feel like a drawing, um, a thick line that is, it, it doesn't feel like a slick animation sort of character, uh, and, and nor does it feel like a... Um, you know, sort of a very precisely drawn uh, police artist sketch, for instance. But it, it it really makes every character feel a certain sense like a comic book character. And I, and I, I think that, you know, my understanding is that Boom Studios, you know, offered up a bunch of artists and, and Cohen and, and Winters uh, opted to go with Irisadi. I, I, I don't know exactly what the thinking was behind it but i would guess that part of it is that you get a sense that he is a um you know a, a sort of consummate storyteller of a pseudo realism uh you know to take a contrasting example a book that i love by the way is uh, invisible republic by um becco and, and hardman uh, has a similar sort of faintly sci-fi but very you know sort of political science real world flavor to it and um that book's art uh, i think veers cl a lot closer to a kind of painterly realism and so um 
it what it does what that does is it makes the sci-fi you know um sort of feel uh incredibly real right incredibly kind of close to our reality um the effect of Edisati's work is to kind of put a little more of a um uh, of a cartoon and animal sort of fantasy gloss over things you know so that it does feel a little dystopian and it does feel a little bit more far from our reality right but i think the story itself is always kind of putting the question on us of of how far is this from our reality um there is a sort of kind of terrible movie called white man's burden from uh, i think the 90s john travolta played a white man who was living in an america where you know the situations and the roles of black and white had been reversed kind of similar to this book in its premise at least um in trying to sort of as i said turn the tables on the on the roles where um now it's the american that is the um, unwelcome immigrant and um and, and i think um the whole idea of that being a uh, a um fantasy fiction uh is troubling for me because not not that i sort of am troubled by the creators or troubled by this work but more troubled by how fantasy it has to be um in fact how in some ways um um historically uh blindfolded you have to be to just think about it as a simple turning the tables to to think about it as simply up oh, we can just flip it and see what happens um that's not what we're used to because i think the kind of belief and ideology around all of the this stuff is is quite deep you know it runs so deep that it's not something that we can just oh it's easy to just flip the roles and uh i think that's kind of important it's kind of important that we don't um gloss over that historically entrenched aspect of america being america and having the kind of privilege that america has um and so that's not a critique of this book i think that it actually you know exploits that um uh sort of that that a discomforting and, and an uneven experience of having um, America on the other side. Uh, it exploits that to, you know, to heighten the drama of the story. But I think the question still stands for me of what does having these kind of stories do to our ideas of, of immigration and immigrants? And does it deepen, you know, is it just a convenient vehicle for us to tell um, a compelling, you know, uh, you know, heart-wrenching drama, or do we somehow get more, I think, get more um, light on a really complicated thing uh, from reading stories like this? So, yeah, those are my questions. <laughs> Some of them I'll probably take up again in the very next episode where I'll talk about Barrier Number 2 from Panel Syndicate by Brian K. Vaughn and um, Marcos Martin and Munza Vicente. Um, so thanks for joining today for this talk about America Town by Winners Cohen and Edie Sadis from Boom Studios. And um, all right, well, let's keep reading. <laughs>